0: Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. It's a fresh think on how we look at everything in life, not only spirituality. Welcome, it's Fresh Thinking time, Rabbi Shishla. We're together till 3 o'clock. Haven't been in studio for the last couple of weeks. Hope you've been missing me. I've been missing being here. So let's ramp it up and make this a meaningful hour. I actually thought, I was very tempted as I was walking into the studio to ask Craig if he would play, but I'm not going to do it, Craig, don't worry, but I was tempted to ask him to play, If You're Happy and You Know. (laughs) And the reason for that is because it is the month of Adar, it's the month of joy, and it just struck me, you know, when you're you're young, I mean, I look at my four-year-old, and she can sing that song so happily, If You're Happy and You Know, and she claps her hands, she does all the things, and it's... It just seems so easy, so easy when you're four years old to be happy. But when you're a little bit more adult, and now it comes to the month of Adar and Misha Adar Marbin Besimcha, it says, when the month of Adar enters, then joy increases. And You think, whoa, hang on a second. How? How exactly does this work? I mean, it's easy perhaps on the first day. First day of adder you say, that's it. It's the month of joy. I'm going to be joyous. I'm going to do this. I'm going to really get into character. And then by the second day, something happens. Uh, I was going to say a budget speech. But the truth is, I think some people are. I think most of us are a little buoyant after the budget speech. Thinking, wow, okay, that that was actually pretty good. Maybe that's what made people feel it's the month of Adar and we can be a little bit joyous. But then by the third day, something else is going to come up. You'll have financial year end and all the stress that goes with it. Or you might have load shedding. We dare not say the word, right? Or perhaps you just... Really are going through a rough time, and it's fair to it's fair to imagine that people do, even if there's no time of the year to say, no, 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 people are going through a rough time, don't worry, this time of the year it's not going to be rough. People have rough things that they go through. So I'd like to have a conversation with you about this concept of when the month of Adar enters, we're supposed to increase joy. It's like an instruction. It's like somebody telling you, here you go, magic key. This is the time of the year. Flip the switch and let joy reign supreme. It's nice as a concept. It's nice for a day. If you want to make a big day, let's say you're a, into your birthday and that's the one day of the year that you celebrate, you're on your you're on your A-game and you're excited and you're uplifted, fine, I get it and understand how it could work. Maybe you're just one of those people who's a happy disposition, which is a great blessing, but isn't that common. For the rest of us who often feel like we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders, the rest of us who see the doom and gloom on mainstream or social media, For the rest of us who hear about another person who's going through terrible financial difficulty or a health problem, how do you just flip the switch? How do you just walk in and say, it's the month of Adar, let's be happy. Is that a realistic thing to say it's a time of the year and because it's that time of the year, you should feel a certain way. Do you think that that is something which is practical? So I'd love to hear your input. You can call us 0101403020, although not many people do that. So you can text us via Telegram on 0618951019. You can SMS 34519. And you can do what most people do on this show, which is to send a message via Twitter either at Chai FM, or even to me directly, at Rabbi Shish. How is it possible that there's a time of the year and they just expect that we're going to be happy? This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. I'll tell you one thing about the listeners on Chai FM, those who interact with us on social media and all the various channels that you use. Some people are quick on the draw. Here is on Twitter, I at I hate dead IHateDeadEnds. Who immediately, I don't know if this is a local product, I imagine this is an American product, immediately took a picture of a dishwashing liquid that is called Ultra Joy. Ultra Joy, that's what it's called. And said, buy when it's on sale. That's the key. That's how you get joy. (laughs) Okay. Uh, You have to have a sense of humor. It's definitely valuable and important and probably one of the keys to being able to be in a joyous disposition but I don't think that that's necessarily limited to this time of the year that's generally good advice that you know keep a sense of humor then again how how can you have a sense of humor when you are going through a difficult time or when you look around and see what's happening in the uh, in you know the in the world around us like How? How do you keep a sense of humor? If you have any advice on that, by the way, I'm sure many people would appreciate it. If you could tell us, best way to keep a sense of humor. And it's interesting, you know, sometimes you meet people and you know that there's really tough stuff going on in their lives. And somehow still, they just radiate joy. And perhaps we can distinguish for a minute between joy and happiness. That's why right at the beginning I said, you know, there's that there's that when you're happy and you know it song. And I hear it. And I think if you're a child and you're four years old and you're singing, if you're happy and you know it and you're clapping your hands and stamping your feet and doing all the other actions, that's great. That is so nice. But is that actually what Simcha means? Mishenichnas Adar. When the month of Adar enters, marbim beSimcha, You're supposed to increase simcha. Simcha is joy. I don't know if simcha, joy... And the ditty of happiness are necessarily the same thing. And maybe that is part of what we have to examine over here. What is this thing called Simcha? What does it look like? What does it feel like? How do you find it? That's, that's a, uh, you know, something to talk about. Such a nice tweet and welcome from uh, Laurie Basson who says welcome back. And be happy, clap your hands when you are happy. So, you know what, how does it work? Are you happy and then you clap your hands like the song says? Or maybe if you clap your hands, maybe you become happy. In other words... Do you feel happy and then you respond in a certain way or is it possible that you can crank it up, that you can actually get yourself to be happy? And I do feel that this is something we talk about from time to time, but there's a reason for that. It's that important. It is that important because people who are in a good headspace and people who live with Simcha and people who have joy in their lives will always have a very positive impact on the people around them and on the world that we live in. These are the people who will innovate. These are the people who will uplift. These are the people who will change the world for the better. If you're feeling morose, it's quite unlikely that you're going to make the world a better place. It's quite unlikely that you're going to touch people in an inspiring way. So it's valuable. It's important. It's important for your own health. I mean, we all know that there is evidence to the fact that a person who is in an upbeat, optimistic headspace lands up being physically healthier. We do know that. So there's value in sim The specific question is, can you tell me that it's the time of the year, therefore, therefore, because it's the time of the year, you should be more besimcha. Is that a fair thing to expect of people? I do believe it's 100% fair to expect of people to try their best to be happy, to try their best to be optimistic, to experience joy. Simcha. I do think it's fair. It's equally fair to say right now a person's grappling with it. That's equally fair. But is it fair to say it's this time of the month and that is a catalyst? That is a reason, or this time of the year I should say, that is a reason why you should be besimcha. Do you, you, in your personal experience, do you feel, yes, I see that date on the calendar and it just talks to me? And I know for some people it certainly is that way. Maybe it's even a stage in life when people are certainly children teens, young adults. It's a wonderful time of the year. You know that Purim is coming and you know that it's going to be a lot of fun and you're going to dress up and go party and exchange gifts with your friends and give money to those who are in need. So it's quite uplifting and there's no question that people have an anticipation of Purim that gets them into a good mood. So for that alone it is fair to say, yes this time of the year, I can understand why it is related to the time of the year and that's Reason enough for a person to be Basimcha. But again, is that across the board? Is it fair to make it an imperative, like an instruction? You can tell a person, 6.15 tomorrow evening, you have to start Shabbos. It's not negotiable. It's not a matter of mood or opinion. But that's subjective. Uh, that's, I should say, objective. It's completely objective. It's not tied. Shabbos is not tied to your mood. Shabbos is not tied to your level of preparedness. Shabbos is not tied to how much research you happen to have done on the parasha. Shabbos happens, like it or not. Now we're talking about something which is mood-related, which is emotional, which is about your state of being. It's about what's going on in your head. How do you tell somebody, this is the time that you need to increase your joy? And by the way, I think it's really important to note that the instruction is to increase joy which implies that joy is the standard. That's what you should be. You should be in a state of joy on an ongoing basis. And this is the time of the year when you increase that joy, which may even make it on the one hand perhaps a little bit more challenging because we're implying then that all the time you're supposed to be in a joyous state. On the other hand, it might make it a little bit easier because if you are already in a joyous state, maybe it's not so difficult to increase joy at the appropriate times. But I think the key the key question over here is, do you feel that it's a fair expectation from people that Come a certain time of the year, they should be able to just become joyous. Here's uh, Leslie on Twitter, who says gratitude with a nice big heart. So gratitude, I suppose, is something people would very strongly associate with joy. I don't know if that helps us to understand why it's this specific time of the year, but it's definitely a tool. And you know, I, I just said a minute, a couple of minutes ago about. Retaining your sense of humor, I think one of the reasons that people find it difficult to have a sense of humor often is because they take themselves too seriously. You'll often find that that a person who is able to be self-deprecating is often in a happier state of mind than a person who just simply can't handle anything that's disconcerting, critical, and so on. So to have a sense of humor might well be a reflection of somebody who doesn't necessarily take themselves that seriously. And I do think there's a strong correlation between how seriously we take ourselves and how difficult we find it to be Basimcha. The less seriously we take ourselves, the more open we are to sin. That's why children are by default happy. Even when they have a tantrum, their recovery from that tantrum back to a position of happiness is far more nimble than it is for an adult. And I think it's fair to say that the reason for that is because they don't take themselves so seriously, because they have no reason to take themselves so seriously. They haven't yet established perceptions of the world, perceptions of their position in the world, expectations from the world, so they can afford to just tumble, get up, keep going, and they can be happy. And there's a great lesson in that, I think, that if you want to have a sense of humor, and you want to be able to have simcha, a lot of it is going to have to do with letting go. Letting go of expectations and letting go of how seriously we take ourselves. So perhaps that's part of it. And then I suppose you would ask the question, why at this time of the year more than any other time of the year? There's lots There's lots to talk about. So my question to you is, let's start just with a simple straightforward question. Do you feel that it is fair that you can expect people, because it's a certain time of the year, to just like that become besimcha? Just like that to become choice. That's what I'd love to hear your feedback on. Like I say, you can call in at any time on 101 You can SMS 34519. Send a message on Telegram 0618951019 or tweet at Chai FM, tweet at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. That definitely tells you that Purim is here, right? It's got to be around the corner if we're talking about dress-up and we're talking about specials. For dress up and costumes and masks and all that kind of thing. So if Purim is around the corner, that means it must be the month of Adar. And the month of Adar is the month where we are told, Marbim Basimcha you have to increase joy. My question is, is it realistic to expect that just because it is a certain time of the year, just like that, you become joyous. Here's somebody who sent a message to say, what about people who have lost someone in Adar? I actually know quite a number of people who have Yorzai today, so that's quite a good question. If God meant for people to only be joyous in Adar, then he wouldn't have allowed death during that time, right? Hmm. Okay, Okay, that's something to think about. And it, it relates to something I was going to mention a little bit earlier, but I think it's quite relevant now. You meet people in life. It's really interesting how you will meet people in life. And I know that we've discussed this previously on this show. And some of those people have a really good life. They have what they need, the amenities that they need, they have a solid family, they have a steady job, they have relatively good health. And they'll complain. They'll they'll, they'll be negative. And they'll constantly fixate on the things in life that are wrong. I believe that they call it the ceiling tile syndrome. So there was somebody, I don't remember who it was, who did an experiment where you take people into a room, you know, you have those ceiling tiles that exactly like what you have actually here in the studio, which is those individual ceiling tiles. And there's, I don't know, hundreds, couple of hundred tiles in the room. And then before the crowd came in, They would deliberately move one tile so that it's not flush. It's not exactly the way that it should be. It's kind of at a little bit of an angle, you know, sticking up or whatever it is. And then the speaker would ask the crowd, please look up at the ceiling and tell me, what do you notice? And 90% of people would say, that tile is out of place. And the speaker would say, how is it that you've noticed that the tile is out of place? Why don't you notice that there are ceiling tiles. Why don't you notice the pattern, the color, the shape, the orientation? There's so many other things we could have noticed about the ceiling, but we are kind of wired to notice the thing that's wrong. and That seems to be common for many of us. So we may have so many blessings in our lives. We may even have blessings in our lives that our great-grandparents, for example, would never have dreamed of if we had to teleport them in a time machine. <clears throat> and, and and put them into the world that we live in. They'd say, Wow, this is unbelievable. You must be living in the messianic age. You have vehicles that can transport you and you have running water in your house and you have ablution facilities without having to go out into the cold and you have fresh food and And we and we sit and complain. So that's one category of people, which unfortunately might well be the majority of people, is that we default to complain. We default to be negative. We default to be anxious. We default to be stressed. And at the same time, you will find other people who've been through some of the most horrific things in life. And you know that they're horrific. They're so horrific that the stuff of nightmares, the kind of thing that you wish would never happen to you, but somehow they just have simchas hachaim as somebody told me yesterday. They're just joyous about life itself. It's just a beautiful experience for them. And you wonder, how? How? How do you do that? How do you do that? When we were in Yeshiva in Israel, there was a particular rabbi, very well known in the Chabad circles. His name is Reb Mendel Futafas. And he'd been through a whole lot of really, really difficult things. The kind of stuff that I don't believe we could survive. Years in Siberia, long-term separation from his family, terrible financial distress, illness, losing a child, losing a business later after he eventually came out of Russia. And I'll never forget, the man, he didn't smile. He wasn't happy in the classical sense. He radiated joy he had mirth in his eyes you know he was just one of those personalities and i often used to look at him and think I, I, like, I, how do you do that how do you do that i find that if uh, if if something that i'd expected to go a particular way doesn't go my way i'm a little bit thrown off balance and here's somebody whose entire life had been absolute turmoil for an exceptionally long time and he had joy so i don't know that it's guaranteed that loss is necessarily the antithesis of joy. It's a strange thing to say, but when you speak to certain people and you see what they've been through and you see the way that they bounce back and the way that they respond, you think, wow, I don't know how they do that. So there are people out there who have loss or who have pain, and they also have joy. That's why I think it's important to distinguish between the term simcha and the the. the, Conventional concept of happiness because we think happiness is white picket fence, sitting on a lilo in a, on a tropical island, sipping some tropical drink, or, or just you know being surrounded by the whole family and everybody's behaving and and there's just absolute connection and unity between everybody. You know these kind of unrealistic things are often what we associate with happiness. I'm in my happy place, you know that kind of expression. But if you look around at real life, you will. You will see from time to time, I don't know if it's often, I don't know if it's fair to say often, but you'll see from time to time you'll meet people who are either carrying such a tremendous load or they've been through such a, a heavy experience in life, but it hasn't robbed them of their joy. And I think that might very well talk to the core of this discussion. Can you tell somebody, be joyous? It's now adar. Be joyous. Can, can you tell somebody that? Well, it depends. Depends how you understand joy and, and it depends on what you believe motivates joy. If, if good things in life is what motivates joy, well, then when things are not good, it's going to be really, really difficult to have joy. But if joy is something that I find in a certain resource or more likely within myself, so then what? Then joy is, is, is mine and and maybe I I get to control and choose how it works here's another person who said Shoshana says uh, it is realistic if one adopts an attitude of gratitude which is the key to happiness It's it's interesting how often people say that gratitude is the key to happiness and I think there's a tremendous amount of truth in that if a person walks around in life always thinking about what they don't have there's no chance that they can have simcha whereas if a person considers what they do have and is grateful for it that's Incredible. It's a life changer. Sometimes to be grateful even for today was not as bad as yesterday was has value. That in itself can give a person simcha. Sometimes when a person is dealing with a chronic condition, you'll hear them say that kind of thing. Well, at least today we had a good day and they can tr- derive a tremendous amount of joy, meaningful joy, not, you know, whimsical happiness, meaningful joy out of the fact that Today was a good day, so the more you examine it, and a few people have actually messaged this that it's a conscious decision and that it's a choice. Um, Somebody even sent a t-shirt, which a picture of a t-shirt, which I really don't understand. I'm I'm sure it's in another language, but they say joy comes down to an active decision. So that's that's absolutely correct. I think comes down to a choice of how you're going to think. Comes down to an attitude that you're going to adopt. So if if we believe fundamentally that joy is something that we generate and something that we discover, then it is possible to say to somebody, Mar bim basimcha. This is a time where you're supposed to invest greater effort in discovering that joy. Maybe there's a, a promise within it as well, that at this time of the year, if you in, if you invest that effort, you will see greater results. That's also a possibility. What do you think? And maybe we can expand this conversation a little bit and say, Well, if we do agree... And so far, nobody's disagreeing. If we do agree that joy is a choice, it's something, it's a decision. A number of you have said that. Um, Active decision, it's a perception, it's a result of an attitude of gratitude. So if we believe that, so what other tools could a person use to get themselves to a place of joy. Because clearly the Torah has an expectation of us at this time of the year. It says, when Adar enters, you should increase in joy. You should means there's effort associated with it. And I, I know a lot of people find it quite odd to think that Simcha is something associated with effort. But it is. Think of a wedding you want the wedding to be a joyous occasion. You do land up investing effort both beforehand in the prep to make sure that things are right that it will create the correct atmosphere and equally on the day. You invest effort, you do things actively to ensure that there is simcha at the event. You don't just rock up and say, I hope it will be Basimcha. You work on it. So what do you think? What would your suggestions be about techniques that people could employ in order to engage, in order to increase, in order to uplift their Simcha? I'd be really interested to hear. You can share on Telegram O six one eight nine five one oh one nine. You can SMS three four five one nine or you can jump onto the Twitter bandwagon. bandwagon at Rabbi Shish or at Chai FM. Pick and Pay Norwood Hyper have these pocket-saving sweet deals just for you. They have Pick and Pay Hake Filet, Petite Filets. I'm sure it's the wrong way around. For seventy-nine rand 99 per kilo, Pick and Pay Frozen Baby Hakes are only forty-nine rand 99 per kilo. Pick and Pay Whole Roasted Barbecue Chickens are just eighty-nine rand 99 per kilo. Nori Macon Lamb, you can get 150 grams at a very low forty nine Rand ninety nine. Fagel's filter Filterfish is just one hundred and thirty five Rand ninety nine per kilo. You can catch these and many more specials in store. These specials are exclusive to Pick and Pay Norwood Hyper and are only while stocks last. Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood is the best place to shop when you want to buy a lot. Introducing another innovation from Dischem's clinic services, Care Connect. With Care Connect, your first stop is a clinic sister who will complete a health assessment and professional consultation. Should you need a doctor, your nurse can provide a video consultation with a Dischem Care Connect doctor. The doctor can renew your repeat or provide a prescription, supply any referral letter or sick note needed. You can get your meds there and then. Care connect only from Discam Pharmacists Who Care. If you have just joined in, it is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Shishla together until three o'clock today. And talking because it is the month of Adar. So talking about this. Notion that the Talmud says, Nichnas Adar Marbim Besimcha. When the month of Adar enters, you are to increase in joy. And my question is, how? How do you do that? So I think we've gotten over the hurdle that it's possible. It's a choice. Joy is a choice. I think that's what's so deep about Simcha. It's not that I wait for something to happen to me and then I will be joyous, but rather it's a person saying, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something to ensure that I feel joy. So what could you use as tools in order to activate joy? This is what we need to talk about at this time of the year. Because if there is an expectation on us from our heritage, from our Judaism, that we should be joyous, well, let's work out how to do it. Here is Simchasika on twitter who says the key is acceptance of one's place in the universe now that's a biggie because acceptance of one's place in the universe so many of us have very clear expectations and very defined perceptions of where we believe that we belong in the universe and we think uh, pretty much at the center That's where we belong in the universe Should be at the center of the universe How do you get to accept your position in the universe? I mean, aren't you supposed to have ambition? Aren't you supposed to work to change your circumstances To better your environment To make the world a better place? Surely if you accept your place in the universe That is also on the cusp of becoming defeatist And saying that is where I am That is who I am You know, we had this conversation actually A group of people had this conversation the other day And I was thinking about it, it's a really important paradox because it is true that to accept where we are is the source of simcha. The longer we expect that we're in control, the more difficult it is for us to have simcha. And when we recognize that Hashem is in control, well then, that's a whole different business. I recently heard a story, I believe it was attributed to the Chofetz Chaim that there was a person who had a particular health issue and they were extremely concerned about the outcome and I think it may have even included a surgery. And the, the Chafetz Chaim said to this individual, imagine you walked into the theater and the surgeon appears and you discover actually that the surgeon is your own father. Your anxiety would totally diminish because now you know that this is somebody you trust absolutely. and Now you know that this is somebody who has your absolute best in mind. So that's how we should think. Hashem is our father. We say it all the time. Avinu, malkeinu, Kiata avinu. Avinu of Horachamon, we consistently refer to Hashem as our father. Now what do we really mean by that? All kinds of things. But in this particular context We mean that we trust that he's guiding us and he creates the environment around us that is best suited for whatever it is that we need to do or to learn at this particular moment. When we don't accept that, when we think, Mm, things should have been differently because I envisaged them to be differently, that's a barrier to Simcha. So the Simcha seeker, I guess it's a highly appropriate name on Twitter, gives us really good advice. To accept your position in the world is a very important first step to simcha he has Larry Bosson on twitter saying yiddishkeit is simcha Judaism is simcha which is true by the way it is true we are told es Hashem that you have to serve god with joy and the mystics tell us what it means to serve god with joy is that to be joyous is how you serve god <laughs> It's quite important, right? There's a verse that says, Oiz In God's place, in God's environment, there is joy. And it makes a tremendous amount of sense because if you're feeling close to God, then you recognize that God is in control. God is good. God has our best interests at heart. As I just mentioned, He's like our father. Like any parent, He just wants the best for us. And therefore, because God is in our environment and close by, Why would we not be happy? Why would we not feel upbeat? Again, simcha doesn't mean that I feel happy, that I'm jumping up and down and clapping my hands. Simcha means that I feel this incredibly deep, healthy, solid ground. I'm in a good place. Where's this good place? Where I am right now. Why is it a good place? Because this is where God chose to place me. So now how do you balance that with the paradox of growth, ambition, escaping bad situations? I mean, could you imagine then, by that thinking, the Jews in Egypt could have said, Simcha, this is where God wants us. We will be here, besimcha. simcha, will accept it with absolute joy Well, we would never have left Egypt. If people would have said, Illness, it's what God wants. We accept it with simcha. Nobody would ever have sought cures. So how do you balance that? I think it's important to distinguish between the concept of acceptance in a defeatist way. This is it. This is what God wants. There's nothing we can do about it. You can't outsmart God. You can't outmaneuver God. If he's decided to put us into this situation, we should just throw up our hands and accept it. That is not a Jewish Attitude. The Jewish attitude is I have simcha. I have simcha in the fact that God put me where I am. Why do I have simcha in this place? Because that obviously means that He believes that I have the power to rise above this particular situation. Sometimes rising above the situation means that I change the circumstances, and other times, where I realize eventually that I cannot change the circumstances, then I rise above that. Not, I'm not defined by those circumstances. That's the power of Simcha. And that means that Simcha is actually hard work. Ivdu es Hashem besimcha. The verse says, work, eved, avoida. It's hard work, but you serve God with Simcha. It's not easy. It's not you put on your favorite song and then you just automatically go into Simcha mode. That happens when you're in a decent mood. But when you're going through the rough things in life, and a lot of the time we are, whether they're really rough or whether it's just what the media is playing in our mind. It doesn't matter. Simcha is something we choose to work at. I'm going to work at being in a position where this thing will not define me. Where this situation will not drag me down. Not because I'm a hero. Not because I'm so great. Not because I'm so powerful. But because Hashem is my father. Because Hashem is holding my hand. Because Hashem Designed this particular challenge for me and then designed the tools to help me rise above it. It's an incredible concept of Simcha, something that we have to spend a lot of time trying to apply and understand and realize in our own lives. What, what, what are your views? 34519, send an SMS. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So talking today about Simcha, about the concept of joy. Very misleading, right? Because people think that Simcha equates with happiness, and it's not that simple. Happiness is something that occurs. If the circumstances are right, the weather is good, people are nice to me, I'm happy. Simcha is a life's mission, something I constantly work to deepen and to develop It's something I have to get my head right in order to do. And I suppose that's why the question is so important. My question was, what are the tools? How do you do it? How do you find ways to simcha? Here's Zalman who says, a positive mindset and focus on gratitude. To focus on gratitude, I think people understand what that means. Unfortunately, we don't do it. But we do understand what that means. Positive mindset. How do you do that? How do you get onto Positive mindset What are you supposed to do You've got to feed your mind Right the, the mind doesn't Naturally go into A positive mindset Something's got to happen Something's got to talk to you Something's got to tweak you Something's got to shift you And then You will have A positive mindset What What does it take To get to a positive mindset So the Simcha Seeker On Twitter said It's accepting your position Within the universe Good point What else Right What else Here's somebody who says. Here it is. Moise says, "Emuna and bitachon." What a wonderful phrase! Oh, it's a whole poem, <laughs> based on akuna matata. He says, "Emuna bitachon." What a wonderful phrase! Emuna bitachon ain't no passing craze. It means no wonder, no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy, Emuna bitachon. It's quite cute, actually. <laughs> that is quite cute. Emuna bitachon, right? So what's emuna? Emuna is faith. Faith, you believe in God. You know He's in control. That is faith. The truth is, it's not alone. There's another principle in Judaism which is called bitachon. Bitachon comes from the word betach. Betach, for sure. For sure things are going to be good. That's where the real work lies. You know, put it this way. If you do believe, like that story I said earlier, if you do believe that Hashem is your father and you do believe that Hashem is the one who's going to so-called do the operation and you do believe that you're in good hands, then you should absolutely believe that things are going to be good. And if things are going to be good, why wouldn't you be basimcha? So there's, there's kind of two things happening in tandem here. The one attitude says what is happening now is actually it's good. It's good because it's testing me. It's good because it's raising. me. I'm not talking about people who are going through trauma or tragedy. God forbid. You you don't in any way diminish a person's pain. I'm talking about the normal stuff that we deal with. And, And by the way, it's not out of the question that somebody can go through pain and still have simcha, right? As I mentioned earlier. But that's their journey, not ours. It's not for us to start preaching and philosophizing. See somebody in pain, you go, you help them. That's your responsibility. A lot of what we deal with is not necessarily tragic, Or traumatic, it's just stressful or anxiety provoking. And that's what we should be telling ourselves, simcha. Simcha means that if I'm going through this right now, it means that right now this is something created to give me the opportunity to deepen myself as a person, to deepen my relationship with God, to rise above my circumstances, to be able to live in a way that I'm not defined by what's going on in my world, that I'm defined by what's going on in my mind. That's a whole different business. So that's the one Element of simcha, the one element of Simcha is Emuna. I have faith in God. I have faith that if this is my situation right now, that is a God-designed, God-driven situation that I'm dealing with right now. This, this is where I am. <clears throat> and he is my father who I trust. So that means there's something in this that's giving me the opportunity to rise. So if I happen, for example, to live in an environment, whether it be a community or a country or a family, and everybody around me is just talking doom and gloom, and everything's going down the tubes, and it's terrible, and you've got to run for your life, I don't have to be stuck in that current. I have the ability to be able to say, Well, why am I in this place? And what value can I get from this environment? And how can I grow from these circumstances? Rather than just simply thinking, how can I run as far as possible? The non-confrontational approach. So that's one dimension of Simcha. And the other dimension of Simcha is this absolute certainty that tomorrow, next week, maybe in the next hour, it's going to be better. It's going to be amazing. Things are going to come right. It's interesting how much time we spend working out how things won't get better, and I'm sure you've had this experience. We're often just surprised. It actually worked out. It actually improved. It actually got better. Something happened that I had not anticipated, and things fell into place. So, just had an experience like this yesterday, actually. We're trying to sort something out in in the community structure, and... There was a deadline, and we didn't have enough time. We needed a particular resource, and it didn't seem likely that we were going to have it. Boom, out of the blue, there comes the resource from left field, hadn't expected it, and problem solved. Now, you spend so much time worrying about outcomes, as we do. We, we spend so much time worrying about outcomes. I've often told the story that uh, I knew a guy a number of years ago who was absolutely obsessed with the possibility of earth being struck by a massive meteorite that would wipe us out. And he had sleepless nights over it. It was something he really, really was concerned about. And I remember thinking, you know, you, you live in Johannesburg. I mean, people fall victim to crime on a daily basis. Why is it that you're obsessed with the possibility, this remote possibility of a meteorite strike? Well, why don't you just worry about your personal safety when you walk out of my door? It's funny, but that's how we are, right? We, we tend to focus on all kinds of worst case scenarios. So a, a big element of Simcha is we have to, I believe, we have to bring God into the center of our focus. So if we have that God centered focus, we know that we're in good hands. We know that we are empowered. That's Just as important, just as important saying as we're in good hands to say, and he empowered us. That means we have resources and we have wherewithal within ourselves that we don't necessarily believe that we have. To be able to keep a chin up and to be able to get through real challenges and difficulties and to be able to become stronger. You know, Sometimes people will tell you that they don't believe in God and sometimes people don't believe that God believes in them something to think about. You talk about gratitude. A number of people, I see there's still some more people coming. In. Here's another person, Ishivara. deep gratitude. Where does gratitude come from? It's, it's from a realization. I have someone to be grateful to. I have an entity to be grateful to. If I, If it's all my own achievements, where's the space for gratitude? Gratitude is an acknowledgement that there is a power giving, sending, helping me. So the more that is our consciousness, the more we're aware of the fact that we're in Hashem's hands. And Hashem provides for us, the better the chance we have for Simcha. Mishenichnas Adar. When the month of Adar enters, marbim basimcha. we increase in joy. Well, if you look, Adar is all pivoted on the story of Purim. And the story of Purim is a clear story of people who lived with a threat, an existential threat, that seemed to have no possible resolution. And then it resolved. Because Hashem was in control. That's where Simcha comes from. From that perspective, from that realization, from that awareness. That's why this is the month of Simcha. Not because we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be joyous any other time of the year, but because this is where we'll find the resources in this month. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Isn't it nice that Dafka, that ad should have popped up in the middle of this conversation? About people, there you have it, somebody who's gone through a dread disease, survived, running a marathon. I mean, it's incredible, right? Just, we don't realize how often we're giving the power to be able to do incredible things, and that's where Simcha comes from. Here's Chana who says, you've got to find pockets of joy throughout the day, even if you're having a bad day, because they all add up. Notice the joy in your environment. People who smile, a colorful mural, a, a, a flower, even bubbles. Et so there are techniques that a person can use, but I think a lot of these techniques, you've actually got to be in a good enough mood to use them because if a person's feeling really down, it's hard. it's hard for the person to notice somebody who's smiling at them. They're more likely to notice the person who's frowning. It's difficult for such a person to say, I even want to do it. I even want to look for the flower or the inspiration. When a person realizes that simcha is a voida, just like there's a mitzvah, and a, the mitzvah is that I get up in the morning as a man, and I put on tefillin, and some days I don't feel like doing it, but I do it because it's something that I've committed to, and it's something that I believe binds me to God, and it's Hashem's reaching out to me, so I go and I do it even when it's not so wonderful, and it's dark and cold outside. Simcha is a mitzvah. That means to say that, I work on it even when it's not easy. Some days I'm good at it. Some days I'm on top of my game and I have simcha and it's wonderful and it's fantastic. And other days I don't. That's when I work. So if you think about this month of Adar, which is built around the story of Purim, the story of Purim was a group of people, in fact it was the entire Jewish people at the time, who had to work in order to be able to lift themselves up against a dire situation and say we can actually make a difference you don't read the story of Purim as a story of Simcha until it's over until Haman is killed then you feel the Simcha if you go back and you read the story you can actually feel that there's an element of Simcha right early on in the story the Talmud tells us that Mordechai, who was the leader of the Jewish people was unsure of how he should play it And he stopped some children walking out of school and said, what did you learn at school today? Which verse did you learn at school today? And he asked three different children and each one gave an incredibly optimistic verse from the Torah. And that's actually the first seed of optimism that we see in the Purim story. That's where the Simcha starts to come from. Even though outwardly there are certain things that he did, sackcloth and ashes and calling everybody to fast. But you would never do those things if you didn't have an optimism that it could actually work. So there was already the seed of Simcha there. We're going to work on Simcha. It's going to be difficult. It's going to take three days of fasting. It's going to take Esther stepping into a role that is a highly dangerous role. It's going to take pushing ourselves into places that are not easy to be. A level of commitment to Judaism over the course of a year when the sword is hanging over your head. That is not an easy type of commitment. But that's what Simcha is. Simcha is earned. Simcha is work. Simcha is something that we can and should and are expected to constantly invest in, we have to accept that we will have our days when Simcha is more challenging than others. But at the same time, we should also realize that Simcha is something we can work on and it's about shifting our head it's about shifting from thinking that we sit at the center of the universe to understanding that Hashem really, really does run the show and He really, really does have our best interests at heart and He really, really knows things about our situation that we ourselves don't know and He really has empowered us to be able to rise above when we keep as a mantra repeating and meditating those concepts we actually start to find Simcha in our lives. And it's quite an incredible experience because you find yourself in a place that you never imagined that you could be. So the brocha, please God, that we all get to experience this adar is a little bit more meaningful long-term Simcha in our lives. It would make a phenomenal difference to ourselves, to our families, to our communities and to the world that we live in. Please God, let it be a month of Simcha.